the days when I was just like, I don't know what to do. I just walked outside and I remember I was holding my baby and like looking into the pool and I was just like, what if we just jump in? Literally, that thought. And I got such a shock from, you know, from having that thought. I was like, why would you think that? Why would you do that? And that's when I realized, you know what, maybe I'm not okay. Hey mama, welcome to The Whole Mama Show. I'm your host, Aisha O'Reilly, and we're revealing the untold stories of motherhood. The World Health Organization reports that 13 to 20% of pregnant and new mothers experience a mental health disorder, the most common of which is depression. Probably one of the biggest topics that is not spoken about enough when it comes to motherhood, postpartum depression presents itself in many different ways and at different times. But because it's not openly spoken about, Millions of women are suffering in silence. It's serious and can lead to suicide by some mothers. Many of us are told or warned about the baby blues that's usually caused by a drastic change in hormones within the first two weeks after birth. But what happens if you realize that even after that, you're not quite yourself or that you're not coping or you consider harming yourself or your baby? You're not the only mama who's had postpartum depression. When Tanda told me she suffered from it after having her first child, I immediately knew that I wanted her to share her story. Being a black mom, it's especially rare to hear of such experiences, but trust me, it happens to us too. It's important that we talk about our mental health issues, especially in the context of motherhood, so that we can be better moms. Respecting social distancing guidelines, Tanda joined me remotely to share her story. Hey Tanda. Hey Aisha, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? How's the family? Kids are good. Um, we are adjusting uh, all the time. I yeah. think we are slowly finding our rhythm. We're doing well, thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the thing. I'm always going on whenever I feature you or like have you on my platforms. I always have to just mention that Tando for me is, you know, one of my fellow mom friends who is just doing so much at the moment. Maybe not even at the moment, just every time. I feel like you're just, (laughs) you're juggling. Yeah, you're (laughs) juggling so many balls, wearing so many hats. And I know that obviously behind the scenes, uh, there'll be moments as with everyone you know where you're not quite sure of doing this or doing that but on the outside at least it looks like you're really just handling things so well so I always just have admired that about you that you you know you have three kids you have a husband the house to run business that you're like doing on the side as well as working full-time as well as as well as and studying I always like for me the studying bit always just gets me so I really appreciate you taking some time out to chat to me and uh yeah for the benefit of my listeners can you introduce yourself uh let them know who you are and a little bit about your family and also just use this time to let us know how we can support you in anything that you're currently working on so yeah Asha thank you I think that's a a a huge compliment um and I think it doesn't make me special Uh, I think all of us are juggling so much and we are still able to keep our heads up and you know maintain um, some kind of normality through it all but yeah we all have our moments Mm. um so thank you so much for having me today 
I am Tando, as you said. I am a mother of three. I am married. I work full time, uh, specializing in the learning and development space. So I'm very much into people development, mentoring, and coaching. And um, I'm also running my blog, uh, which is called Modern Zulu Mom. I've been running it for about five years now. So something I've recently um, done is just launched an ebook um, for new content creators or new people wanting to get into the blogging space. So it's just an ebook on, um, you know, how to set up your blog, how to get it going, how to work with brands and establish yourself. Mm-hmm. And it is for sale on my website, which is modernzulumom.com. Yeah, today I'm really excited uh, for our conversation. I know we've been trying to have it for quite some time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like, like I was saying to you, you know, this is one of those I mean, everything, all of the topics that I am talking about and, you know, that we're talking about, they're all, for me, all really important. You know, this topic is like, especially, you know, how when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, just especially in the black community and it's, you know, doesn't matter where in Africa you're from, (laughs) you know, it's, (laughs) yeah, it's just the black community in general. It just seems like we are still just so terrified of admitting that, you know, we're not like a hundred percent okay in the mental health area, you know, and this is what I can't remember who had said it, but I, I love the analogy, you know, that when something is wrong in our body, we go to the doctor it, because it's expected. It's normal. You know that sometimes certain organs aren't working properly or your immune system's not functioning well or whatever. But when it comes to anything from the neck upwards, all of a sudden it's like it's sorted out yourself. Yeah. It's like why or even even not to sort it out yourself, but also like how is there even a problem? How is there even like how can you you know, there's just so greatly misunderstood and mm-hmm. under understood. I'm just made that word up. (laughs) Okay. So I wanted to start off with asking you, can you please share how you became a mom? Oh, so I had um, my first baby just before my 22nd birthday. So I was pregnant when I was 21 and um, it was an unplanned pregnancy. As soon as I found out I was pregnant, you know, there was no doubt in my mind that, you know, I will go through the motions with this child. You know, I know I knew that it was going to be difficult. Mm. Um, and I, But I just said, you know what? I'll do this. I can do this. So that's how I became a mom for the first time. So I, I was quite young. Yeah. From my family side, there there was a lot of disappointment initially, particularly my grandmother, whom I lived with at the time with my mother, was quite disappointed with me, you know, and I don't know, it was difficult to accept. And I think that came from my family as well. My grandmother having had her first child at a young age. Mm. So there was almost this expectation that, you know, Tando would get married first. Or, you know, I just newly recently graduated. I was working in my first job. So there was a lot of expectation that my family had, I think, from me. 
Um, so it was met with disappointment to to some extent. But, you know, as time went on, my family was quite supportive. And and we'll see this as we as we discuss. I think there there was a lot that I didn't let go of in, in, from the sense that I felt like I had disappointed them. You know, it was very clear. So I felt bad a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So you're at 21. It's, yeah, it is really quite a young age. And so at that point, did you have any, you know, support? Obviously, you mentioned that, of course, you know, your family was disappointed, but what other, at least positive support systems did you have in your life? Um, I definitely had uh, my friends there supporting Mm -hmm. um, to the extent that they could. You know, we were all young at, at, at the same time. Um, I had another friend that was pregnant at the same time as, as me as well. So she became someone that I grew quite close with. And, you know, as I was, you know, going through things and, you know, I wanted to check, is this normal? Are you also feeling this? Um, she became the person that, you know, that I would um, kind of lean on. But I would say that my my friends were quite supportive. So I, I did have people that I could at least talk to during that time. Yeah, which I mean is really important. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, you definitely need some kind of support system when you find out that you're going to have a baby, you know? So so at least you did have, you know, some friends behind you. And I wanted to just get a sort of sense of how the pregnancy went for you before we, we go into the the postpartum part. Okay, so the pregnancy, um, I think from from a health perspective, uh, was sick throughout most of it. I think six of the nine months, um, everything from kidney infections, nausea, sure. and on. But from um, an emotional side, I think I was just all over the place. You know, mm-hmm. like I was, I was scared. I was anxious. Also, felt like I had put my. I felt guilty, Aisha, because mm-hmm. I felt like you no, know, I I put myself in the situation. I've, disappointed people so a lot of the things that I would have probably normally you know expressed I didn't and I held on to a lot a lot of my emotions you know comparing it to my you know my following two pregnancies it it really wasn't the most joyful time in my life Mm. um and I just yeah I I did feel quite isolated Mm. yeah and I'm just wondering now with you know, sort of you, you you mentioned that you had graduated already and you had already started working. I'm sure that was also something that was, you know, worrying you at the time, like what's going to happen at work and did, were you, were you able to take maternity leave at that point? I think you are spot on Aisha in the sense that um, because I was new in the company, I also would then um, did not get the maternity benefit. Um, yeah. So I knew that, you know, going into my maternity leave, it would all be unpaid leave, which um, I would then have to claim um, a portion of that through UIF. So I definitely did have a lot of financial anxiety as well. Yeah. And manage. I mean, I don't know, you know, there was a lot that I tried to do. So I tried to buy nappies, buy all these things that I would need. Yeah. But you don't know what to expect and how much to kind of anticipate and how much to calculate. So I I think I definitely had um, that as a cloud as well over my head. Mm. Yeah, the financial um, aspect of it, because I think that's something that a lot of people, I think, sort of forget about when, um, you know, people kind of throw that sentence around, oh, kids are expensive. But 
you only realize how expensive everything is. It's not just when the baby's born, but even just the prenatal visits and, you know, getting on any vitamins or whatever it is, the prenatal care that you need to, to have before you actually have the baby. That's also expensive. It's so costly. And, you know, as a first time mom, a 21 year old, I'm, mm. and like I said, for me, I didn't have much reference mm. around me. Um, so it was also you know, quite difficult to know what to expect. Yeah. And even in Thailand for how many nappies, how much would you need after? Yeah. Um, it, you, know, you just, you just, if you don't have that reference point, then it just becomes a little bit difficult. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't have to go into such detail about it, but Lissetti's dad at that point, by the time he was born, were you still with him at that point? No, we weren't. So we broke up during my pregnancy. Okay. So I'm sure that also affected you while you were pregnant. Yeah, every, I think all of it. I think that's why I'm saying, you know, there's just so much. It was almost like yeah. trauma, you know. I, yeah. I call it that. Just such a, an experience that I'll never forget. Mm. Um, and I don't think I've been through anything that difficult before. I think the combination of just everything for me was just, yeah, it was just so, it was just so traumatic and so, so, so difficult. But it, it made me so strong for so many other things that were to come in my life after that. So I'm grateful for the experience. And I think it just made me such a resilient person mm. and a better mom, a better mom. Yeah, uh, I'm just, I'm just like reflecting on that. It's a great sort of outcome for everything. So I wanted to ask now, um, okay, so of course you're 21 years old, you know, you're going through the, the most really, you know, um, with everything that's happening. And then you finally have the city and how, how did the, those first sort of, let's say that fourth trimester, how did that go for you? Okay, so immediately after delivering in hospital, so I was hoping to have a natural birth mm. and I went through about 14 hours of labor wow. before the doctors, um, you know, said to me, look, looks like we're just going to have um, an emergency C-section. Yeah. So I had read about emergency C-sections. So I think I was quite well prepared for that wasn't prepared for all the pain <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was followed. But I think, yeah. um, you know, going, I, I went back home, I went to my mother's place. So I, I had care around me, you know, I was able to at least have a space where I was, you know, I could be comfortable mm. um, and I could get some kind of help, um, you know, to move around and, and to help and to help me with baby. Yeah. So during, you know, those first few weeks were um, quite a blur, if I'm honest, not much sleep, you know, trying to get into routine. Um, I think I was well prepared for, you know, hormonal changes. I'd read here and there about baby blues and, you know, you know, you think it's something that, you know, from what I've read, it was positioned as something that, you know, you could feel it for a few days, you know, you could feel like down for a few days and then mm. you're back to normal. Mm. So I think the first, the first couple of weeks were really, really clouded. I should buy just a lot of things happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then I think the big shift for me happened when my mom went back to work. So she had taken a couple of days off to be with me. And when she went back to work and um, it was myself and this baby, mm. I think that's when a lot of things actually just dawned on me. You know, I started to become very concerned about, 
you know, whether I'd cope. I was just, I was always worried, yeah. you know, am I doing the right thing? And um, will baby be okay? You know, I don't have the backup now during the day. And I think everything that I had been through then also kind of hit me at the same time. And I just started feeling like I wasn't adequate enough or I wasn't equipped enough to be able to take care of this baby. And I found myself, you know, getting into a space where I would cry a lot, you know, in private, because I I also felt like a lot of the time I could not admit this or just speak about it with whether it was my family or my friends, because on the one hand, I felt, okay, this is maybe normal for moms. I I don't know any better. And on the other hand, you know what? you've already disappointed your family. Now you, you can't go and say you're not, de- you're not handling this or you're not, you can't deal with this. You, I blamed myself and I said, you know what, you put yourself in the situation and therefore you have to deal with it. Mm. And there's a lot, you know, in retrospect that I would see from the situation and um, realize that at that point, there was so much that I was holding onto or, you know, dealing with in private that should have been conversations or things that I reached out to get help on. Mm. Can you, can you share with us like what, what those kinds of moments should have been looking back, you know, when do you feel like you could have said something or asked for help or asked for more support? I think, um, you know, one of the the days when I was just like, I don't know what to do. I just walked outside and I remember I was holding my baby and like looking into the pool. And I was just like, what if we just jump in? Literally that thought. And I got such a shock from, you know, from having that thought. I was like, why would you think that? Why would you do that? And that's when I realized, you know what, maybe I'm not okay. Mm. You know, maybe I, I, I do need to speak to people around this, you know, because I, I felt like I just couldn't cope. You know, there were days where he would cry a lot. And I think some of it was probably from my anxiety that I was, you know, um, feeling that the child was also getting from me. Yeah. You know, just me, my panic or, yeah. you know, my sense of just, uh, you know, not being emotionally stable at the time. I definitely think I should have spoken to someone at that point. You know, the point where you're thinking, let me just jump into the water or, you know what, I can't even carry this baby right now. Mm. You know, I don't have the strength to. Those are points where I should have had help. I should have reached out rather to someone for help. Mm. But I didn't recognize them at the time. And I'm, I'm saying this, you know, with just looking back, you know, and just reflecting on, on, on those moments. Yeah, I think, I think I, I definitely, you know, the times where I just burst into tears for no reason. Mm. Those were moments, those were signs that I, sh- I should have reached out to someone. Sure. About how, how long after you had Lissadi did, did you start, at least with this thought, rather, of jumping into the pool? Uh, I'd probably say around maybe six weeks. Okay. So it was, yeah, within the second month or so. Mm, yeah, because, you know, I'm asking, I'm asking the time of it, mostly because, you know, the things that, you know, I've come across and also from the doctors and things like that, you know how you mentioned earlier the baby blues? Most of the time they say the baby blues happen at around two weeks postpartum and, you know, that because of the hormonal shift and everything like that. And it's pretty normal for the majority of new moms to experience this. But then after that, 
the theory is that you, you don't really go through the blues anymore, which for me personally, I can say that that's not true. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, yeah. in your case, wasn't true for you either. So, you know, it's it, the, the whole timing thing, I think, um, at least for me, threw me off. And I think with other moms or women listening now, maybe also thinking, you know, after two weeks, if I don't experience the baby blues, then I'm fine. You know, I kind of feel like that that's probably a huge misconception. Mm. And that's, I think that that's definitely the case because that's what I'd read as well. You know, like your first two, three weeks, that's when you're adjusting. And then afterwards you should feel like yourself again. That was what I was, I had read. I mean, at the time um, I wasn't really reading uh, personal blogs or anything. I was just reading the typical baby magazines that you'd get on websites. Right. And everyone was quoting exactly that. Like, you know, just two weeks, three weeks, and then your hormones, you should adjust to all the changes so I think that you are right that the fact that it happened way after that period um says a lot yeah yeah and so okay so you're you know you're at you you've walked outside and you have this intrusive thought obviously now you're saying looking back you should have gotten help then but I'm wondering when, in the actual moment, when did you actually finally suspect that you were experiencing postpartum depression? So I should wasn't until months later. Um, so what ended up happening in my case is that I went back to work much earlier. So before my maternity leave was even over, I think I had three months of leave. I think I went back to work around two and a half months. So I went back about two weeks before I was due to go back to work. So my, my main reasoning was finances at the time. You know, I had this pressure to, to provide. I hadn't saved enough. My UAF income was not sufficient to cover us. I knew that, you know, what, if I go back to work, you know, I'd be able to start earning my salary again and eliminate one thing that was really, really worrying me. Once I went back to work, I saw such a big difference in my my conduct, I guess, as a mom, you know, um, I missed my baby during the day. I look forward to my weekend. You know, I just want to be with him all the time, mm-hmm. which was such a big difference compared to how I felt when I was at home. Yeah. You know, I felt, you know, I'd, I'm trapped to just me and this child and I'm, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I just, I wasn't enjoying that my time at home with him. And I think that came with shame for me, you know, mm-hmm. Now suddenly I'm missing this baby mm. and like, I want to be with him all the time. But when I had the opportunity, I wasn't okay. Yeah. So that also just messed me up a bit because yeah, I just felt like I didn't make the most of my time that I had with him at home. Yeah. But I recognized that I was so much of a better mom. If I could, you know, for lack of a better word, I started enjoying him for, and you know, enjoying him for who he is. Mm. And I don't know if that came from, obviously I had long periods of time during the day where I could miss him, but I just felt more capable and less emotional. And I, and I felt now I, all of a sudden I could just really enjoy him. For the first time, I just really, really started enjoying him. And it was, it felt like a pity for me, you know, that I, I still had that another two weeks to go, three weeks to go of my maternity leave where that I could have used to bond with him. I mean, you mentioned now that you could have used that time to bond with him. By the time you went back to work, did you feel like you had bonded with him at all? Not really, but I think I was just obsessed over, um, he must be okay, you know? (laughs) 
I didn't really, I think, worry much about myself and our relationship and the bonding. I loved this kid, wanted to take care of him so well, but I felt like I wasn't doing a good job doing that yeah. in taking care of him. Right. And I think that's part of the fear of talking about uh, postnatal depression because, okay, so you feel like you're not capable of taking care of this child. What does that mean? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, it's, 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 it then becomes like this part of that stigma where you'd rather keep quiet about it because you love this child and you don't, you wouldn't want anyone to think that, you know, you don't want your child or you don't love your child. You haven't bonded with your child. Mm. You know, that's exactly it because I think the sort of narrative around postpartum depression is changing, albeit slowly. But still, the, the sort of conception I think that is still definitely dominant is exactly what you're saying. That it's, you know, if, if a woman is going through postpartum, it means that she doesn't love her baby. She wants to harm her baby. She wants to, you know, like uh, not take care of her child anymore. She wants out of the whole motherhood role. And it's almost like just as with some, you know, other mental health issues, as if it's something that women can just opt out of, you know, like, okay, you're sad about having a baby. So stop being sad, you know? And so now that you're also like saying that, I appreciate that you are sharing that you still loved your child and it wasn't Mm -hmm. about that. It was about you. And it was about Mm -hmm. you doubting your capability. And it was about you feeling like, you know, you're not you know, you're not taking care of him in the way that you would like to. And you were, you were going to focus on the bonding part at some other point, but at the moment you just wanted to make sure that he was okay. And I think that's, for me, I think that's really key uh, for especially people who still don't really understand some mental health issues as well as po- well, particularly postpartum depression, because I think we've just been fed this, you know, and it's the whole reason why I'm doing these podcasts is that we've been fed this image of a mother and she is happy and she's glowy and she's, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing that she struggles with. You know, she gets pregnant easily. She carries her baby also easily, has the child, you know, uh, gives birth, recover straight away, up and at him, breastfeeds, you know, all of those experiences and stages in motherhood. And because we're not shown or told about the realities of it and the good, the bad, the ugly, then we, un- that's how we understand it until we are in it ourselves. And then we sort of think, oh, okay, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. So maybe there's something wrong with me. So then you, yeah. you, you know, look inward. Is that fair to sort of sort of say about your experience as well? Definitely, Aisha. And I think the uh, the other thing is that the the focus. I mean, everyone is focused on how is the baby. You know, yes, who's asking, yes. Who's asking? How are yeah, you? Yeah. You know? So that's why I felt like I had to kind of take it, yeah. bear it. You know, everything that comes, just handle it, because. You know, even I'd, I've never heard a woman from my family talk anything close to anything being challenging right. after having a baby. Mm. It's, there's this thing called, you know, you say, which means, uh, you know, toughen up, be hard. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's all I heard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was no one like breaking it down. Even, you know, aunts that are really like younger, younger than my, my parents. 
there was no one saying, mm. hey, if you feel like this or hey, this may happen or you may, you know, feel like that. And that's why I think it's so important to have these conversations, Aisha. And the reason I was open to it is because I feel like uh, we need to be able to, you know, through our experiences, one, we're sharing that, you know, to other moms, you know, you may go through this, you may experience right. this. And at the same time, we're not trying to scare <laughs> first-time moms or moms-to-be. Exactly. If you ever feel this way, this is what you can do, you know, get help, mm-hmm. speak to someone. Because at that point, everyone and everything was about the baby. Mm-hmm. No one asked about, you know, how I am doing or we, I would need support. Yeah. Yeah. And that just, for me, it always boggles my mind. You know, I understand when women who haven't had children yet, it doesn't click for them. I get that. And it's understandable, but particularly for women who have gone through it, who have given birth, who have gone through, you know, the postpartum recovery and possibly postpartum depression themselves. The, the idea that no one, you know, those women are not checking in on you and exactly what you're saying, giving you a bit of a heads up or like an encouragement just to say, listen, I know that these next few weeks or next couple of months are going to be really tough or they could be tough, but I'm here if you need me, if you need any support, if you need to just vent because you, you do feel really alone and you feel isolated and you feel like I must be the only mother. I am the only mother going through this. So I'm the only mother thinking these things. And that makes you question your ability to mother even more. And obviously it affects everything. It affects your child. It affects you. It affects your psyche. So I'm, I'm also just really, really grateful and glad that you're, you're sharing this experience because there's probably a mother right now listening to this who hasn't maybe even clicked that this might be what she's going through as well. That this is, uh, you know, what she's going through is a sign of possible postpartum depression. So I wanted to ask you, were you officially, you know, I put officially in, in quotes here, officially sort of diagnosed with it or was it self-diagnosed? Did you come to that realization on your own or did you end up going to get any professional help for it? I did after a couple of months, um, I think he was about six months old. I did speak to someone through my company wellness program you know, just to unpack, I guess, for myself, the last couple of months and everything I'd been through the last year, you know, she said to me, I think you might've had postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't an official diagnosis. Yeah. Like I said, I just saw vast difference in who I am. And just when I spoke to someone about it and she was like, I think this is what, this is what it could have been. Yeah. When I had my second baby Mm -hmm. and I could recognize so many things the second time, you know, where I was like, okay, I'm starting to feel a certain way. Let me go to the shops by myself. Let me go have coffee with a friend. Let me WhatsApp my best friend. What it gave me the second time around was just, it empowered me, I guess, at the end of the day. You know, as much as it was such a, like I said, the most challenging time in my life that I will never forget, I think that year, it just empowered me so much in my journey to motherhood, you know, that in the second time around, I was easily able to recognize when I wasn't okay. I felt okay to say it. Yeah. Which was the, then the biggest thing for me. And that's why we just need to keep talking about this. Mm. 
Yeah, to, to keep talking about it so that other women also know what to look out for. Obviously, for you, one of the biggest turning points or red flags, rather, was that moment, as you said, when you went outside and you looked at the pool. And can you share if there's any other sort of signs or anything that other women can maybe look out for that might, you know, sort of be a hint or a clue that, okay, they're not, they're not quite okay? So I think um, fatigue, which is quite a tricky one because sometimes you are, you, you are very tired actually naturally as a yeah. mom because you up every two, three hours. But when you're not, you just want to stay in bed and you, you, know, you don't want to get out of bed. When you are easily tearful, every, everything makes you um, want to cry or you don't want to hold your baby. You know, so I think people react differently. But just mm. when just reading about other people's experiences, there are some women that don't even want to be around their baby. Mm-hmm. or they feel like they may want to harm their baby. Right. I think those signs um, are telling and you should definitely like not ignore them. And even if you reach, you reach out to someone and it's not postpartum depression, that's okay. You know, um, the fact that you, there's extreme emotions that wouldn't, you know, be natural or, you know, don't feel natural to you. I think it's safer to reach out to someone. And even if it's a friend or if it's a professional, a lot of our medical aides offer these, um, call centers where you can just call and speak to someone at the at, on the other line because a lot of the time you then you doubt yourself you know am i exaggerating or am i just too tired maybe checking in with someone if you feel any of those things could be just a way for you to just neutralize the situation and just see where you're at yeah it's um you know as you're talking about reaching out to a helpline or professionals and things like that. I think that's also a big barrier for a lot of women. It's, you know, I think there's a couple of things that go through women's minds when it's not necessarily postpartum depression, but just going through some emotional experiences and feeling, you know, inadequate or very Mm -hmm. anxious. It's that thought of, okay, but who do I speak to? Do I speak to Mm -hmm. my partner? Do I tell him? Do I speak to my friends? Do I tell my mom or another relative? I think it's that whole thing of who do I speak to and how are they going to receive this? Because, I mean, you speak to people so that they can pretty much reassure you that this is normal or it's going to be okay. I might not be able to help you with this, but I know someone who can. Then they can maybe almost give you permission to look for professional help. I think it's, you know, obviously it's not something that we can necessarily unpack um, now because we're both not healthcare professionals, but Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely something that the medical aid system, um, as well as the doctors, I think they also need to step up to the plate and let women know, especially women who have just given birth, that if you, you probably, maybe there's the reassurance, you probably won't go through this but if you start feeling this way here are some numbers that you can call here are some places that you can go to here's what you can maybe try and do just like you were saying the second time around you were able to identify those feelings and those experiences and say okay i need to get out of the house for a bit i need to have a coffee i need to meet up with a friend um we almost kind of need that for first-time moms Absolutely, Aisha. I think, and the, the word that you used there was permission. And it's almost like you're so unsure of a, a lot of things when you're a first time mom. Yeah. You need that reassurance 
from someone you you are you almost you don't know what is normal reasonable and what isn't definitely those conversations at every level like you're saying in you know when you leave the hospital if someone can just slip something into your bag to yeah. say listen or the pediatrician when you're going to a checkup or your gynae to say how have the first you know at your six week how are you feeling if you're not yeah. feeling okay you know yeah just to give you that space to to unpack and feel comfortable around it because right. like i said a lot of moms you you love this child and want to protect them and you don't want anyone to judge you or or feel like you're not capable of taking care of this person if you if you were to say listen I'm crying a lot. I'm not coping. All is just feeling so anxious. Mm. This is what you can do. Mm. Going back to the whole idea of, you know, looking for professional help, seeking professional help. I feel like postpartum depression, as with many other health, you know, men- mental health issues is especially taboo within the black community. You know, um like I was saying earlier, it's 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 almost like it doesn't matter where in Africa you're from. I feel like black families, black people in general, we haven't we're we're getting better, but I think we're still quite far behind when it comes to ex- the acceptance of mental health and that not all mental health issues means that you're crazy or that mm. you know um that you are a psychopath or whatever it is that there's a large spectrum of mental health issues and postpartum depression is within that but the idea of going to a therapist for example or even calling a you know a hotline you know it feels very very daunting even just admitting it to yourself and admitting it to the the people around you you know the p- people closest to you like your family i feel like it's really still one of those topics that we just don't talk about how did you navigate this when you were going through it and also now afterwards you have been open about the fact that you experienced postpartum depression how have you navigated this within your family as well as just the black community in general I think you know just from uh, when I look at so I agree with you completely I think there's a lot that we've been taught the wrong things about you know that um yeah. crying emotional not being okay is is weakness and that you know as black women and men we are strong and mm-hmm. you know we 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 always need to keep up this image of being okay mm-hmm. and i think that is the reason why a lot of for me that crying and that anguish was done in private in closed doors right. because i felt like okay you can't go to your grandmother because one you're the you're the disappointment you put yourself in the situation there is that automatic perception that you know what you're going to be strong yeah we won't check on you you're a mother and this is what motherhood is about right and and i think that's very discouraging especially when then people are suffering in silence and are unable to have those safe spaces where people like you and i are able to to talk about it um you know even we see on social media if you just mention it lightly and or quickly so many people resonate with those kind of messages because they finally you know have someone that they can relate to or mm. something that they identify with it's sad because primarily we should rely on our, on our family or be able to rely on our family so i think it's just up to us to take it forward create those safer spaces you know even with other women in our families yeah you know for me i think it's just such a disservice to moms you know in general you know obviously 
I think especially within the black community that that whole thing, you know, even for us, we also have like in Swahili, you say vumulia, vumulia. Vumulia is like, just stick with it. Just get on with it. You know, it's, um, it's a phrase that I know that it's not sort of said with ill intentions, but yeah. when you hear it at a time when you're feeling very sort of vulnerable and very shaky and, you know, that you're just needing support, it's not what you want to hear. You know, it's, you don't want to hear that you have to be strong for your child. I'm just, because for me, the, the, the taboo being in the black community for me is just such a big one because I feel like, if more people were aware of, you know, depression and what it looks like, what it feels like, there wouldn't be such a stigma about it. Did you feel that you had a, a different understanding of depression before you realized that, you know, you were going through it? Had you ever experienced it before in your life or anything? I hadn't, actually, and I yeah. also didn't have um the reference of someone close to me being depressed you know i think in my head you you'd be someone that just you know closes themselves up you know the typical uh, you know stereotypes around around the depression and yeah. i think initially also um recognize it because you know you don't associate a new baby with depression. Exactly. It's a time of joy. Yes. You know? Everyone just wants to be around this baby. And here you are as the mom saying, you know, I just take him away from me for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Just that messaging is just mm. very confusing mm. um, in itself. And yeah, I just didn't have that, that reference point, to be honest. Mm. Um, and I have probably no doubt that most of women in my family probably experienced this as well, mm. because you know when you when you speak to um, you know your pregnant friends, I, I always just try to make a point to say, you know what, if you ever feel like you're not okay in the first few weeks, I know you're going to be very happy, but if you ever feel like you're not okay, just reach out. It's yeah. normal. I've been there. You know, I just make a note of just mentioning it, you know, to say yeah. you're not alone. Um, this is what I went through without taking away a joy and excitement right. uh, from an expectant mom, but just, just opening up to say, listen, just I'm here. Mm. Just going back to the whole black community um, sort of, you know, part of things and our reluctance to kind of accept uh, mental health issues, especially postpartum depression. When you went to speak to the counselor, can you share what race she was? Um, she was a white woman. Okay. Look, I mean, I bring it up because I kind of, I've heard this from a couple of like my friends and things like that, that first of all, any form of therapy for them, it's like, no, you know, I'm not going to do that. That's a very white thing to do. Um, yeah. And then over and above that, you know, the, the couple, the one or two who have gone to therapy have, you know, sort of like said that they wish that there were more black therapists out there because they just feel like they would be able to open up a bit more and feel heard a bit more and understood. And, you know, that the black therapist would be able to relate better to their issues. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Did you feel comfortable speaking to this lady or is there, was there a part of you that maybe thought or wished that, you know, um, that you were speaking to another black woman about this? It, it's the perspective thing. I needed someone to tell me that what I went through was okay. 
But I do think that that it's understanding, it's perspective, it's you understand my world or my background, the dynamics. So I, I also do understand the, the need to really relate because I've had other another therapist which I could totally not relate to. So I think when you are opening up about something that is that vulnerable, mm. it does make a massive difference to have someone that you can relate to or feel like you can un- and they can understand your world. In the black community, I've found that um, breastfeeding isn't one of those things that are necessarily encouraged. And this Mm. is maybe just my family. Mm. But, you know, if I look at uh, my experience during this time as well with breastfeeding, it is one of those things that I was also struggling about, uh, struggling around. Um, And no one encouraged me to continue. It was just like, oh, no, you know, your child is not getting enough milk from you. Give them the formula. It is those those kind of things or, or, or dynamics where someone actually understands where you would be coming from or understands your world. Because, right. it, yeah, it was just not encouraged in my family. I've seen it with cousins as well. In non-Black communities, breastfeeding is more encouraged, you know, to say it is the natural thing. Mm. Um, so I think it, it does make a world of a difference if someone understands your perspective. So I would definitely understand someone preferring to speak to a black um, counselor. Our worlds are so different culturally. Right. Personally, I've, I haven't come across, <laughs> you know, um, black therapist, you know, yeah. and not to say that there aren't any, but they're just not enough. And, you know, I think more people need them than what they, they are, you know, they're not enough for the, for the demand, basically, I would, I would say, you know, I share those things that just happen or that are passed down from generation to generation that aren't necessarily like universal, you know, they're just unique to how we are grandmothers and mothers have taught us to be and think that's not necessarily like documented anyway you know Mm. Um, those like little fine tendencies or you know attitudes or beliefs that we have that you know you kind of do want to test with someone that um, can relate to them right yeah that's very true so if anybody is listening who knows of you know, black therapists, please get in touch. I'd love to share it on my platforms so that other women can get access and help, you know, um, through them. So Tando, I'm going to end off with asking you, what's your whole mama truth? My whole mama truth is that I'm Tando first. I'm a human being that makes mistakes, that is allowed to better herself every day to become a better person and to become a better mom. You know, what I've learned, you know, through my journey with three kids is that I'm a human being. I want to be super mom, but at the end of the day, I also need to allow myself the space and give myself the permission to be human as well. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm just, I don't know, I'm feeling a bit emotional. <laughs> it's emotional. <laughs> it's very emotional. Oh, it's just, I guess it's, you know, it's these sort of things that we know. We know this now, you know? Yeah. We know this now because, you know, we've we've had our first babies and we're, you know, I'm on my second, you've had three kids and, you know, you're able to sort of look at things so differently once you've gone through it. But that first time, it's just so... 
it's just so much and it's a lot and it's sensitive and vulnerable yeah yeah and the the narrative around motherhood is still the same it is you put your children first above everyone and not to say that you know that's not what we do but we also need to put ourselves first too you know so that we can be good moms so that we can be better people and exactly like you said you're you're human first you know um there's just so much to say about this topic <laughs> i know i feel like it's almost like i don't know i might have to revisit again revisit it yeah. again and also yeah it's, it's almost like even in this journey another mom you could have postnatal depression but two moms won't have the same experience yes so it is quite difficult especially because we're not experts just sharing high level some of our experiences is helpful it can manifest in so many different ways for all of us and i think that therein lies those complexities you know and the need for sharing different perspectives and different experiences because it's not going to look the same for all of us exactly yeah thank you so much to to be accepting and to make mistakes but we we don't remind ourselves enough so yeah 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 thanks also for me time to reflect um you know look back on my journey 11 years later Mm. um and just to see for myself as well how far i've come so thank you this was very empowering asha Thank you Tando. I'm I'm so grateful that you know you're you're sharing this and that you're open about it. You know, I'm hoping that this this episode in particular is going to to help a, a new mom um, or even if she's not a new mom, just a woman out there listening to this. So, thank you again for joining me. And um before you go, can you just remind everybody where we can find you online? So, my blog is uh, modernzulumom.com. and on social media i am on instagram and facebook as modern zulu mom so yeah please check tando out please check out her platforms um send her some love get her ebook <laughs> i think tando hit the nail on the head when she talked about how you don't expect something like depression to be attached to something as joyful as new life and this is something i tried to tell my friends who aren't mothers yet it's that Motherhood is all of it. When you have a new baby, it is joyful and you are relieved that your baby arrived healthy. But it's also scary and stressful and anxiety-inducing and lonely. It's not just one way or the other or as black and white as we thought it was. It's all of it. I have so much more to say on this topic and I probably will do another episode on it. In the meantime, I'd like to urge you to seek help if you suspect you might be suffering from postpartum depression or if you know of a mother who might be too. If your family or friends don't believe or support you, you can tell your doctor or get in touch with SADAG, the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I'd love to hear from you. You can drop me a line on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube at Aisha and Life. That's A I S H A A N D L I F E. You can also find my honest journey in motherhood on my blog aishandlife.com. So, reviews and ratings are massive on podcasts and they can help me reach more women. Please leave me a review as well as rate and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next episode. Once again, I'm Aisha Riley and I really do hope this episode has left you feeling more whole, mama.